Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC, discussing your life as a medical coder, offering coding tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Monday. Hello, and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series. My name is Jennifer McNamara, and I'm your host today. Our program is brought to you from your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC, and our goal is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as tips for work-life balance. If you're a first-time listener, we really thank you for listening to us. And if you like what you hear, we want you to hit that subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We can be found on Podbean, Apple, and now iHeartRadio. Our disclaimer is always that our podcast series is not to be taken as legal or professional advice. Uh, it's based on our 19 years and plus of experience between myself and my cohort, Angel, uh, my other presenter here at the Life as a Coder podcast series. And we want to talk about what we've learned in the coding and billing industry and why we love this industry. So if you haven't checked out Angel's uh podcast on life as a coding instructor, definitely check that out on Wednesdays where she talks to us about all things uh, related to coding and learning about coding. So we're, we're looking forward to uh, having more listeners tune into her, uh, her podcast there on Wednesdays. And of course, we always want to inspire you here at the life as a coder podcast series. We are full fledged into May, right? We're in the middle of May. Uh, today's Monday, May 17th, and we're continuing this topic on compliance. We've talked about compliance all month, right? It's really our topic here at May Mania this month. And this week, we're going to talk about compliance meets telehealth. And for those of you that aren't aware, uh, telehealth, what is telehealth? So this is just a great way, right, for healthcare to uh, meet the needs while practicing social distancing. And we've seen a lot of that recently in, in the last year or so, but telehealth is, of course, not new, right? It's not a new thing. It's been around for quite some time, but it has become more advantageous um, and also more of a compliance risk. As we see the current need, we were kind of pushed into this need for compliance in, um, in telehealth in 2020 and now into 2021. So, with telehealth, it's so great, right? Because patients can get that healthcare they need distance-wise. They can use technology to connect with their provider, um, and it can reduce the cost of service. Um, it can improve access to patient care. Those patients who maybe uh, would never have reached out to get care before um, can actually get that care now. So it's a really great benefit. It's convenient, easily accessible. Uh, physicians can see patients different hours of the day. And we've seen you know, a huge increase. Uh, before COVID-19, uh, recent studies show there was um, less than 20% of doctors delivered virtual care. And after COVID-19, it's over almost 50%, um, even higher. This was a study done last year. So um, the studies that uh, you can go out there and see, um, we can see it's even higher now. And telemedicine services are growing. Uh, we anticipate from all of the data that's out there, uh, they're going to continue to increase. 
um, many providers use telehealth even more now than before because of the lax insurance guidelines. And we can now use telehealth, uh, telemedicine in follow-up visits, um, chronic disease management, um, and even those assisted living visits. Um, it can be used pretty much anywhere. And so a lot of providers are interested in the data. They want to see the data. What's the current um, you know, data being reported for um, the um, productivity increases uh, for telehealth and across various specialties. Uh, but I also want to advise, it's always a good idea, check CMS. They, they give us so much information as to what they're accepting as far as what types of service. So as we've seen, the fluid information coming out, so there's a list of telehealth services on CMS's website, and we will list that current link in our show notes for you. It's always a good idea to keep up to date. And I always tell my listeners uh, to always keep up to date in your area. Things are going on because different payers uh, may vary from state to state. But when it comes to Medicare, always look at your Medicare updates. And it's even a good idea to get into that automatic email, right? Get those automatic emails from CMS. They're MLN articles. I get them all the time, and then it keeps me up to date if there's a change in a coverage policy or if they've updated their covered services for telehealth. It's something that our facility is very interested in, right? But again, with anything in healthcare, there are privacy risks. Now, um, a lot of physicians that have been polled have feared that telehealth will give rise to medical errors and privacy issues. And this can be uh, medical errors. It can be maybe uh, increased to practice costs in some areas. Uh, maybe they're, they're thinking that um, because of the technology issue, there could be a release of information that is not protected. So we want to talk a little bit about the technology requirements. Um, we have to meet technology requirements. HIPAA is not going away uh, just because we're not seeing patients face-to-face in person, right? To HIPAA, um, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act is something we all have to follow. It's, it's a law. And so this actually has a lot to do with electronics when we think when our records became electronic several years ago when the High Tech Act was enacted. It really was a big deal because now we have the potential for um, electronic data to be, um, you know, submitted across uh, the computer, across the internet, and there's the ability um, for people to hack into your systems. Um, we have people pirating uh, these websites, uh, and we we have these um, phishing attempts, right? Which I'm sure your facility is always reminding you, and they do those little checks, right? They send you those emails, those fake emails to test you to see if you are paying attention to emails coming across uh, phishing for information to try to get some of that protected health information from your patients. Now, we can submit so much different kinds of information um, with telehealth now. Um, If patients need their medications, um, if they need um, to have remote monitoring, um, they have these mobile devices people can wear, smart devices, um, the video conferencing, Um, But we always want to make sure whatever platform we're using to see our patients and to even just have this EMR requirement. Does your EMR, your electronic medical record, does it have the proper interfaces? Does it have the proper security? Now, uh, there is what's called bi-directional interfaces. So this means there's two-way communication where both systems, like say your EMR and and the telehealth platform, can send and receive data. So if you're seeing a patient 
um, with telehealth and your, your EMR has that built into it, that's great, right? You can schedule your appointment and tell the system that it's a telehealth appointment or a telemedicine appointment and they will set that up for you. It's all going to be integrated. Or maybe you have to, um, or interface, I'm sorry. Maybe you have to actually integrate it where you have two separate programs that have to talk to each other. So you always want to make sure whatever program you're using that you have that ability to uh, make sure that it's HIPAA compliance. Uh, most facilities uh, that use a HIPAA compliance software know there has to be a business associate agreement in place. And this is, of course, for any type of outside uh, company that is working with a healthcare provider. Even if you're a consultant, uh, you do also by law have to have um, a compliance business associate agreement in place to protect both yourself, your company, and of course, um, the provider. And so many wonder, okay, well, what about documentation? Uh, this is another big deal. And with com being compliant, we don't with for coding specifically. So for all you coders out there, remember, there's not just technology compliance, there's coding compliance. So when we're Talking about our telemedicine notes, telehealth notes, we could educate our providers, make sure they're documenting that it was audio and video, right? Or just audio, because that affects our coding. And that makes sure that we're not billing our insurance company for the wrong type of service. Um, they want to make sure that we're being compliant in that way. So it's always best to document, of course, we now, of course, we just have to have the medically appropriate history and exam. We always want to make sure we have that time in there. We want to know how much time we spent because some of those visits are time-based. Um, and if we're using time as our main focus, then of course, we definitely, definitely want to have the time in there in exact minutes. Because now if we're billing by time, we have to have, it's a range of minutes. So it's not just over this amount, right? It is a range. So we have to have those documented specific minutes. And it needs to tell us how was this visit um basically done. How was, how do we interact with this patient, right? So um, we want to make sure we understand. Now, a HIPAA compliant type of software that we use for telehealth should allow physicians and staff to, um, you know, they should have their own personal devices, right? Uh, and they should be able to talk to their patients remotely. Um, there should be um, multiple tools, maybe some compliant um, texting options, messaging, but make sure that it, of course, is um, applicable um, to the laws in place. Now, the Office for Civil Rights, the Department of Health and Human Services, um, they're responsible for enforcing these regulations. Maybe you didn't realize that. And as part of the HIPAA Act of 1996, we mentioned earlier the High Tech Act, the Health Information Technology for Economic and Clinical Health Act. This protects the privacy and security of our protected health information, our PHI. And they did mention in there different types of applications that we can use. So we mentioned messaging, texting, things like that. There are really great uh, applications out there that we can use for video chatting. And these are technically HIPAA compliant and they're allowed because of the nature of them, how they work. And, and so for instance, they do allow for Apple FaceTime, Facebook Messenger, uh, Google Hangouts, Zoom, Skype, um, to provide telehealth without risk that the office um, of the civil rights will seek to impose penalty for non-compliance with the HIPAA rules. So they just trust you, right? They're giving you that good faith provision during this COVID-19 pandemic uh, that you're going to follow that and be compliant. 
Now, that's just a little bit of a list, right? We never, they never come out and say a full inclusive list. They're giving you examples. These types of applications are appropriate during this pandemic uh, to capture this very needed information, to be able to see our patients and not interrupt our practice um, you know, dynamics to make sure we can still provide that proper care for our patients since they can't always be there in person. We are seeing some normalcy coming in many states. A lot of patients are choosing to go back and do face-to-face visits, while some are still preferring, right, to to stay remote, and that's totally fine. We just want to make sure that we're doing our due diligence and we're making sure that we're not um, violating any any laws um, inadvertently. We want to make sure we're up to date on, on everything. So get out there, research the Office of Civil Rights. Look at the hum- Health and Human Services website. Again, OIG. I love OIG. Get out there and keep up to date on those compliance uh, topics. Now, under that same notice that they gave... They did say, however, that Facebook Live, Twitch, TikTok, and other similar communications that are public-facing should not be used by telehealth-covered healthcare providers, which makes sense, right? Um, we see that messenger video chat is a little different, right? Because it's it's just face-to-face, it's just you, but it's not something that um, a lot of people can see at once. When you think about Facebook Live, this is something where you're broadcasting to your entire network, of friends in your Facebook group, right? Or your Facebook friends. Um, anything that's going to be live and be broad, live broadcast, basically, to whoever follows you is not HIPAA compliant. So think of things like that, right? So um, that article also gave specific, you know, um, vendors that you can look to uh, that they potentially would approve as having that specific compliant nature. So that's just some of the things you want to keep in mind. Uh, we're not going to go, go into a huge, you know, ordeal here because we do webinars on these topics and uh, we're not here offering CEUs. This is just a podcast, just some basic information to to think about as you're conducting your practice every day. Um, when you're thinking about protecting the, your patients, protecting their data, think about these things. Think about technology and how it can affect um, that, that um, realm there uh, of telehealth. Now, what's the future of telehealth after the PhD, the public health emergency? Well, that remains to be seen. We know that insurance companies are going to continue to cover telehealth services, and we're waiting to see, aren't we? We are very concerned about what's happening, um, you know, with the government and the laws and the continuing of uh, basically extending this PhD, right? We're watching that as the final rules keep changing, right? So keep on the keep on the watch and keep looking. We know that um, there is a need for healthcare in the telehealth world as it remains at this moment. We see elderly, we see the very sick uh, population, even busy patients. I know myself, I really have enjoyed being as busy as I am podcasting and teaching and working and all the things that I do, plus taking care of my family that, that I'm busy. And so I like having that benefit of telehealth. Um, it's a benefit to me. Uh, it makes me accountable too. I, I know that it, I don't have to leave my house. I don't have to uh, stop necessarily a whole lot of my life. I can just stay here, have my visit, tell my doctor what's going on with me. Uh, maybe say, okay, I, I may need another refill. And, you know, I'm, I'm relatively healthy. Uh, and so I, I like that ability to stay healthy 
um, being in contact with my physician. And there's many patients, the elderly, some those in the high risk population. We think about risk adjustment, uh, how important it is for patients who have these chronic conditions to get the care they need regularly. Some patients historically have uh, not sought health care because of the fact that they live remotely and they can't get to the doctor. They may not have reliable transportation. They may not be able to get the medication they need, right? So we have, of course, what we call the social determinants of health that us healthcare professionals and coding and billing are familiar with. So this does have a bearing on our future. So we, we hope that those, the powers that be that make these decisions, that they will take those things into account and think about the future of healthcare. Uh, think about the successes and the failures that um, we, we've encountered during this pandemic as far as telehealth goes. But we're hopeful that uh, as um, we see the states relaxing the previous licensing requirements they had in place, um, and we see these other companies continuing to allow access and reimbursement, we're hoping that it will show in the data the amount of people that are getting access to healthcare and how it's benefiting them. But also we wanna be always on the watch, always cognizant of our compliance. We wanna make sure that whatever we do, that that is the most important thing in our mind. We don't wanna just protect our patients uh, from you know, you know, their health, right? We wanna keep them healthy. We also wanna protect their information because that is just as important to them. They value their privacy, uh, which is why uh, we of course wanna protect it as well. So. Let's just think about these things. Think about how we can protect our patients, make them feel like we that we do care about their uh, their health information. Um, there is a need for all healthcare communications to be compliant. As we return to normalcy in the future, um, we want to keep a watch. How is reimbursement rates being affected? They're going to be looking at that. Um, they're going to look at how we are applying the anti-fraud, waste, and abuse laws. How are we? Are we still making that um, the most important thing um, in our in our practices. The government is very concerned about protecting the privacy. They're also concerned about the costs, right, of providing telehealth in this way. So all of these things have to be taken into account. It's not just about, um, you know, getting patient health care. It's about the cost of doing so. Um, it is important, but remember that there's a lot of moving pieces in healthcare. It's not just about healthcare itself. It's about the cost to provide it. So and that's what us in the business of healthcare are, are, are working on. We're, we're constantly on guard and, and keeping up to date because we know how reimbursement affects the ability to provide future care. So we have to be aware of all the moving pieces, right? So we hope that this has just been a kind of little opening, eye-opening um, podcast today, just thinking about technology and how it affects um, the different aspects of healthcare and how we can be sure that um, our facility is being compliant in that way, making sure that we are up to date on the compliance rules, the laws, how technology affects um, our healthcare um, every day in our practice. Uh, we want to thank you uh, for joining us for this podcast today. It's always our goal to inspire, to educate, and you know I always say that knowledge is power. Don't give up on coding. The knowledge you learn today makes you powerful tomorrow. Keep on learning and keep on growing. This has been Jennifer McNamara with Life as a Coder podcast. I always want to thank our sponsors, Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC, and our fabulous producer, Gabriel Fast with Highland Productions. Thank you, Gabe, for always making us sound so great. And until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Life as a Coder podcast series. 
brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other coders, students, and professionals just like you. Come back every Monday for a new episode. We'll catch you then. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.